0: Welcome to the Clovercrest Baptist Church podcast. For more information about Clovercrest Baptist Church, go to clovercrest.com.au. Series around parables, and we're going to be focusing on a key question that we're going to keep looping back on today. And the question is this, what are we prepared not to walk by? Uh, I remember it was a Thursday night uh, around 15 years ago and uh, I was heading out for a run which I normally would do late at night for some reason in my uh, late teens and early 20s. Seemed to like running at 9 o'clock at night. And uh, I was heading out and pretty much got all my gear ready put on my full length skins which is pretty much aerodynamic leggings really, let's be honest and probably not a sight that everyone wants to see me in today so I decided not to wear them as an illustration but my skinny jeans are pretty close. Um, And so I'd head out on my run, I'd have my long T-shirt, I'd have my headphones on, and uh, I'd set out on a 15-kilometre route, uh, which had a variety of flats and hills. And one of the things that I wanted to do uh, when I uh, ran was I always wanted to beat my time from the previous one. I didn't like coming up a little bit short, so I wanted to get a personal best. And I remember heading out on this particular day and heading to the final kilometre, because that was the, the, the place that I like. I wanted to wreck myself. And uh, on the last kilometre, uh, it pretty much went downhill for about 400 metres and then climbed for about 600 metres to finish. And so this particular day, I'm charging down the hill, like getting good pace, good momentum. I've got the track pumping in my ear so that everything is charged up so that I can hit the last 600 with everything that I've got. Come to that point where the, the hill starts to raise and I start sprinting as hard as I can. As I'm sprinting up this hill, I'm about 150 meters away from my visual finish line that I'd set for myself. And as I run, as I'm coming up to this 150 meter mark to go, I run past an office block. And as I run past the office block, I notice that there's a man just lying on the stairs, knocked out completely cold. And I see this man, I look at him and go, gee, that's not great for you. I've got a personal best to achieve. And I just keep running beyond this guy. Finish up, change the track to be more reflective, to bring everything down, start walking down the street that I live. But as I'm walking down, I, I kind of start thinking about that guy that I ran past. I start to think about, like, is he all right? So I thought, oh, I should, look, it probably should have stopped. But... So I, I jog back down to where, where he is. And I channel my inner uh, first aid and did my Dr. A, B, C, D, approached the man at a distance, And I ask, you know, can you hear me? And he grunts. I said, "Uh, excuse me, sir. Like, are you okay? Can you hear me? He yells out, go away. I was like, okay. I said, you don't look like you're in like a great state. Is there anything I can do to help? And he starts growling at me like a dog. I was thinking to myself, okay, all right. There's obviously something going on here that's a, a bit bigger. But I wasn't content to just, you know, leave him there. So I decided, you know, I knew the police station was just up the road, didn't have my phone on me, uh, just had my iPod Nano. Now there's a throwback. And um, so I just jog up to the police station, and I stand in, like, the waiting room at, like, 10.30 at night, in my full-length skins, waiting. I bet they were just on the other side, because they took a real long time to come. Just, like, check out this guy. Look at those legs, so defined. Eventually, they come out. Comes out, and uh, I said, oh, Look, there's a guy just down the road. He doesn't look like he's in great, great shape. Gave a bit of a description. The officer responded to me, he goes, oh, We know who he is. He makes some pretty interesting life choices, and that's his go to spot after making some interesting life choices. So he goes, Just let him go. It's all good. And he just leaves the desk and goes out the back. I walk out of the police station, and I remember thinking to myself, like, I'm not really satisfied with that response. So I was like, I'm going to go back and check on this guy. So I jogged back down the hill. But this time, the, the guy's gone. And uh, I thought, well, obviously, he couldn't have gone that far away. it wasn't gone that long. So I start jogging around the streets looking for the guy so that I could provide some help and need to his situation. But in the end, I couldn't find him. And as I look back uh, at this experience... I ran past this guy because I was actually more focused on myself, more focused on what I wanted to do, more focused on what I wanted to achieve, that I didn't want to be interrupted in the process. And you know what? I'm sure I'm not the last person. I'm definitely not the first person that has walked past or run past the need of another person. Person, You know, when it comes to passing by the needs of others, it's not just the obvious things that we see maybe on the street or the things that we see online or the things that come up in the news. Sometimes we walk past the things that are not as obvious, you know, like that person at school or work that just doesn't seem to be themselves to date or maybe that friend that seems to be relationally withdrawing right now, which leads me to this question, Why do we walk past what we see and notice? I think we walk past um, because it's an unwanted interruption to our day. You know, we can easily have our eyes set on ourselves, on what we want to do, what we want to achieve, and we don't want anyone or anything to get in the way of that. I think another reason why we walk past is because it challenges our convenience. You know, usually when we come face to face with a need, it can challenge us. It can challenge us to be someone if we do something about it. Because if we stop and do something to help in a situation, there's a cost involved. That cost could be financial. That cost could be in our time. It could be in our energy. And so because it costs us, it challenges our convenience mindset. You know, sometimes we walk past the needs that we see because we actually don't know what to do. We're not actually sure how we could help or how that situation could be different. We could feel like we lack the tools, the resources, the skills to actually provide what is needed. So let's loop back to today's key question. What are we prepared not to walk by? As we continue this series um, called The Parables, we're going to look at a story that Jesus talks about in Luke chapter 10. Pretty much, as part of this story, Jesus talks about two guys that observe a need, encounter a need, and actually don't do anything about it. They actually move away from the situation. But also in this story that Jesus talks about, he talks about one person who was prepared to stop, who was prepared to do something about what they had seen and noticed. And Jesus tells this conversation in Luke 10... has. Jesus tells this story because in Luke 10, he's having a conversation with a lawyer who's trying to have a theological conversation with him. But Jesus turns it on its head not to be about theology, but to be about how we treat people in real life. And because today's an all-in service, the kids are with us, we thought we would uh, tell the story a little bit differently today. So you can follow along in Luke 10, 25 to 35, or you can watch this animation on your screens now. Let's check it out
1: stories of the bible
0: the good samaritan
1: this is jesus who is the son of god and the savior of the world You see when jesus was on earth he wanted everyone to know what god thought about things so he took every opportunity to teach people about god's heart One day, a religious expert stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? (laughs) What does the law say? The man answered, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. (laughs) Right. right. Do this and you will live. Wait! The man then asked, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. Ah! They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. Blah, blah, blah. By chance, a priest came along. Do, 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 do. Hey. But when he saw the man lying there, Ugh, yuck. he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. La 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 la, la 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 la, la, la. Whoa. Another man who worked in the temple who was called a Levite walked over and looked at him lying there. Ah, uh, huh? But he also passed by on the other side. Then a Samaritan came along. Ah. Samaritans were hated by Jews. They were seen as lesser people and Jews would not interact with them. But when the Samaritan saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his donkey and took him to an inn, where he took care of him. One room, please. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same.
0: Fun way of looking at the scriptures today. So from this story, I just want to pull three things out around how we can be people that don't walk past the needs of others. If you're taking notes, I'd love for you to write these things down. The first thing is this, is that we need to decide what we want to be known for. Let's zoom out for just a moment and zoom out on our lives. When people look at how we live, look at what we say and what we do, what would people say about us? Because here's what I know. We are all known for something. And in this story, the priest and the Levite are known for something. They're known as for two people that saw a beaten and bruised man and did nothing about it. They didn't even provide care or need. matter of fact, their immediate response was to actually to move out of the situation, to remove themselves from th- the context. Yeah, what I find fascinating in this um, passage of Scripture, when you look at other translations, especially the message translation, it says this in Luke 10, 30 to 32. Luckily, a priest was on his way down the same road. Indicating that there was some sort of um, hope because that there was a priest walking down to this man that was beaten and bruised. But he wasn't a lucky man, this Jewish man. Because you know what? In his situation, he lied there. He was assuming that someone's going to provide care and this priest would would provide the care, but he removes himself from the situation. Yet I wonder, with the people that we all potentially pass by, I wonder if they see us coming towards them and they're actually hopeful. I wonder if they would say, Lucky, insert your name here, you came down the school corridor. Lucky insert your name, stepped into that lecture hall. Lucky, insert your name here, stepped into that work conference meeting. Lucky, insert your name, was walking through Rundle Mall. Lucky, insert your name, was at the shops at TTP. Or would we respond like a priest, even though we see a need, that we would actually move ourselves away from it and keep going with our everyday. So really, this story even throws another question in the mix. What do we want to be known for? For the priest and the Levite, they're known for something. In society, they're known for people of religion. They were known for doing the right thing. But fast forward 2,000 years' time, we don't remember them for that at all. We remember them as the two people that weren't prepared to stop, that weren't prepared to do something about what was in front of them. And here's what I know. Your reputation sticks with you. And what we do and don't do matters and speaks louder than your title. So what do we want to be known for? Do we want to be known for people that actually go and help others? Or do we want to be known as people that just focus on ourselves? Secondly, do something about what we see. It's one thing to see a need. It's another thing to do something about it. And the danger for us is that we can be aware of a need and all we do is talk about it. Talk about how it could be different. And that's as far as it goes. It goes as far as a conversation. Yet a conversation might be helpful, but it might might not meet the need fully. It might inform, but that might be as far as it goes. In Luke chapter 10, we see a Samaritan who didn't just talk about meeting a need he didn't text a friend he didn't ask around going what do you think i should do didn't put a poll on social media around yes or no should i help this person no he moved towards the person straight away. luke 10 33 to 35 in the message translation says this a samaritan traveling traveling the road came on him. When he saw the man's condition, he went out to him. He gave him first aid, disinfecting and bandaging his wounds. Then he lifted, uh, lifted him up onto his donkey, led him to an inn and made him comfortable. In the morning, he took two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper saying, take good care of him and if it costs any more, put it on my bill and I'll pay you back. What I love about this Samaritan man is that he pushed past the interruption. He pushed past anything that could be going on to tend to the need of this man on the side of the road. And what I notice about this Samaritan man is that he didn't just do the minimum care. He didn't just tick the box and move on. No, no, he went over and above to pro- provide care. To matter of fact, he went so over the above that he took him to a place that he could recover at his own expense. Yet I wonder... If we're to become more like this Samaritan man, what needs to happen in us so that we could respond in a similar way, where we see a need and we don't just talk about how it could be different, but we actually provide what's required so it is different? You know what? Maybe one of those opportunities is next week. Next week is the Westcare Blanket Appeal. And uh, we have the opportunity to provide for those that are in need. We all know that people live on the streets. We all know that sleeping outside in this weather is rough. We're all experiencing it right now. We would all say, it's quite cold. Matter of fact, some people are saying it's the coldest it's ever been in Adelaide. It feels really fresh right now, but there's people doing it heaps rougher than us. And next week, we have the opportunity to do something about it by bringing a blanket or a jacket. Maybe there's a jacket you, you have in your cupboard that you don't really wear that often, maybe once or twice a year but maybe someone could use that jacket every single day. Maybe there's a blanket you don't use all the time. Maybe you could bring that next Sunday and be put in the hands of someone that would use it every single day. It's an opportunity that we have. You know, there's a proverb that says this, Proverbs 3, uh, 27, it says, do not withhold good from those who deserve it when it's within your power to help. What I want you to do is put your hand out in front of you like this real quick, just one. And I want you to just close it up. Alright? So this is what this ancient proverb is saying. It's not saying to hide the good, withhold the good, open up your hand, to activate the good that's in your hand. You put your hands down. Because here's what I know. We have the opportunity every single day to activate the good, to do the good. Matter of fact, we have opportunities in a whole variety of situations and circumstances where we could be the one that could make the difference. Let's not be people that withhold the good. Thirdly, how to be people who don't walk past the need of others, I think we need to look for a way in and not a way out when it comes to meeting the needs of others. You know, a thing I find fascinating about this conversation when you get earlier up in Luke chapter 10 is the conversation between Jesus and the lawyer. You know, the lawyer is looking for a loophole. He's looking for a way out. That's why he asked a clarifying question, who is my neighbour? But by Jesus telling this story, he's demonstrating that there are no distinctions to be made when it comes to the treatment of people. That's why Jesus tells the story of the Samaritans, so that this lawyer can understand that your neighbour isn't just someone that you consider to be on the same level as you, but your neighbour can be anyone. Jesus finishes the conversation like this by asking the lawyer a question. Luke 10, 36 to 37. So what do you think? Which of these three became a neighbor to the man attacked by the robbers? The one who treated him kindly, the religious scholar responded. Jesus said, Go and do the same. This is like an ultimate checkmate move by Jesus on the lawyer, like the ultimate play on the lawyer, because the answer is so obvious. But now the lawyer has to go and do the same. And he now needs to push past his own selective nature to then be the one that provides help to those that are in need. This lawyer needed to look for a way in and not a way out. Yeah, what would it look like for us to be people that look for a way in and not a way out, to not be people that might be looking for loopholes, but to actually be people that look for opportunities? So let's loop back to that question again. What are we prepared, not to walk by. And what could it look like for us to be people to push past the interruption, to push past the inconvenience and be the neighbour to someone else this week? Yet if there's only one thing you remember out of everything that we talk about today, when we're talking about the context of meeting needs and not being people that walk past the needs of others, I want you to remember this one thing, and it's this. Don't just serve some, serve all. Don't just serve some people, serve all people. You know what? We can't be overly selective about who and what and when we provide need. We can just respond to the need that is in front of us. I remember in the year 2008, uh, coming face to face with something that I'd become overly selective about. Something that I had kept ignoring and doing nothing about. And that was sponsoring a child. You know, I'd been in church for a little while. I'd seen the ads. I'd seen the church announcements. I'd been in conferences where they talk about the difference that you can make by just giving a dollar a day. I'd heard stories how people's lives had been better because of child sponsorship. But still, I did nothing about that. Until 2008... I found my later in 2008, found myself uh, on my first missions trip to India. And uh, one of the places that I got to go uh, was a children's home. And uh, this children's home was located in a regional city called Hubli uh, in the southern part of India in a state called Karnataka. And um, I was really excited about going to a children's home for the first time, checking it all out, seeing it for myself. And the day was kind of mapped out. We're doing some big activities together. the opportunity to share the word understand more about who god is and then break into small groups and i love breaking into small groups because i got six uh, students from the home and there's one particular student that uh, stood out to me and her name was hannah hannah in my group um had the ability to to speak english quite fluently and uh, I, i loved that instead of having to pause every time to have a conversation with people and get someone to interpret it was awesome to talk to her, and it was pretty free-flowing. It was awesome. We then hung out for the, for the rest of the day. She was kind of in my proximity. Um, it was awesome to connect with her. And I remember leaving that day jumping on the team bus, driving back to where we were staying, and uh, just writing in my journal, like, I'm going to sponsor someone. I'm going to to do something about it. I'm not going to walk past this anymore. Like, I've experienced these kids for myself. They're more than just, a you know, an image on a card or a, a, a person in a video of pr- promotion. are a real person with dreams, desires, and passions. So I was like, all right, when I get back, I'm going to do something about it. Get back, go to the office of the organization we traveled with and uh, came in and said, I want to sponsor a child today. And uh, I said, I really love the Hoobly home. Is there anyone there? She said, there's 15 kids that need sponsorship today. I was like, all right. Can I see who they are? I start flicking through the cards and start recognizing all these kids that I'd hung out with, played with for a day. And then I pull out Hannah's card and uh, I remember going, all right, this is the one. Like, I'm, I'm sponsoring her. And I remember them um, putting in my details and they said, oh, we've got a system error. I said, what does that mean? They're like, it means someone's just sponsored her online. I was like, so you're telling me like I've lost the race to sponsor Hannah. She goes, yeah, oh man. They're like, do we have more? And I just sat there, I couldn't decide. I was so flat, you can't have your heart set on something. You're like, I'm gonna need a bit more time. So I took some cards with me and uh, I didn't go back. I found a reason and an excuse not to. I just got busy, got caught up doing other stuff. Fast forward time six months. I'm back in India again, and uh, end up uh, going to Hubli again. We're on a cricket tour this time, and um, the children's home come to us. They hang out with us after the game. We break into small groups, and I get Hannah again in my group. I'm thinking to myself, "All right, like you're like an incredible human being. Like I love being able to like know you more and more." But as part of this conversation this day. Um, I just started to ask people their stories. Tell me about your family. Tell me how how did you get here. Hannah tells me her story about how her sister's just recently been picked up in the home. And then she interprets for everyone else in my circle. And uh, I found that like a really overwhelming experience. High five everyone on the way out. Get back in the team bus and I'm just like talking to myself. I, I really got to do this sponsoring thing. Like been here twice now in less than a year like I really got to do something about it and there was lots of things in my conversation with, with Hannah that really challenged who I am and how I lived and I came back and I shared that with our church community, I shared that with friends and I remember being in a group of friends just talking about the trip and this one person pulls me aside at the end and says, hey Dubsy um, I'm just wondering if you could do a favour for me. I was like depends what it is I said, you know that Hannah person that you keep talking about? I sponsor her, but I can't afford to sponsor her anymore. I ended up sponsoring three kids, and I can't do all three. And she's like, can you sponsor Hannah? Oh, without, without a doubt. I was like, get the paperwork. Let's change this thing over. Like, I'm, I'm ready to go. I'll sponsor it. you know, what? continue to sponsor her for the next five or six years. Matter of fact, we've got a picture uh, from the last trip. <sighs> I'm not looking at it because I'll probably cry, so... Um i good to hang out with her, oh, man. Ah, man, maybe the next service we'll just do a, visual, a video replay of this whole talk, <laughs> sounds like a good deal, ah. I have to spend time with her another seven times, and uh, I never take those times for granted. She was a gift to our family and to my life. And uh, I remember one trip being there and I said, so what happens when she finishes school? I said, oh, she has to leave. I said, what do you mean? They're like, that's the end of the program. I said, and then, then what? And they're like, well, she just has to just fend for herself. I said, that's crazy. So I said, I'm going to go find out what Hannah wants to do. So I leave this conversation with the home parents and I just marched to the other side of the courtyard
1: and said, hey, Hannah, what do you want to do
0: when you finish school? She goes, I'd love to get a degree in business and commerce. I was like, all right, consider it done. We'll just figure out how we do that. I don't even know how much that costs, but it's done. Walk back in and said, I don't care how much it is. Send me the bill. The the organization never done that before, but they were prepared to do it. It ended up costing me about $87 a month, which felt like nothing, but meant that she had a place to live, food, all her medical support she needed, transport. She had everything she needed. I couldn't walk by anymore. Because I didn't experience for myself. Hannah was more than just an image on a card. Or part of some promo pack. <laughs> she was a real person. With dreams and desires and passions. And we're still in contact with Hannah today. And actually went on and did her master's in business and commerce, because she was doing so well, we just kept paying. Married, got a kid of her own. It's because I wasn't prepared to walk by. Yet I wonder, what is it today that the Lord is not wanting you to walk by? What is it he wants to speak to you about? Is it about a particular person? Is it about a particular people group? Is it about someone you know directly that you feel that's doing life lonely? Maybe it's coming alongside someone who's mistreated, abused, or bullied. Or being a voice for the voiceless. Maybe here in Adelaide or the nations of the world. is the Lord asking you not to walk by how about we pray together